You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered, and there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sandburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. And welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet for episode 299, if you can believe it, of this podcast. Today is January 12th, 2022. That clip I just played for you at the top of this episode is from Forbes Breaking News, their YouTube channel, from yesterday. That is Senator Ted Cruz from Texas 
questioning Jill Sanborn, Executive Assistant Director, National Security Branch of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, under oath. So, of course, she can't say no if the answer is yes, or else she would be lying to Congress, which is against the law. That wouldn't make her a very good law enforcement officer or official. So she doesn't want to lie to Congress. She also doesn't want to tell them yes. She doesn't want to tell Senator Ted Cruz yes. She doesn't want to tell the American people yes. So what does she say instead? She doesn't plead the fifth. She says she's going to decline to answer the question. And of course, that looks extremely suspicious. Extremely suspicious. One would imagine the FBI and all of us would breathe a lot easier if the answer were a clear-cut no. No, the FBI did not try to instigate criminal activity or participate in criminal activity pretending to be Trump supporters, pretending to be peaceful protesters, January 6, 2021. If the answer were no, we would all breathe a lot easier to hear that simple answer, no. The fact that she doesn't give a clear-cut answer of no, there's really only two options. This is a binary question, yes or no. <laughs> if the answer is not no, well then, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. This is deeply concerning, of course. And I think to myself of my daughter, Evelyn, last night asking me to explain this. I was watching this clip last night, and she wants to know, who's this person? I said, well, this person's with the FBI. Oh, well, what's the FBI? I said, well, the FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And my daughter's eight, by the way. So I'm trying to explain all of this to an eight-year-old but not go into too, too much detail. But she's confused. And to give her full marks, join the crowd. <laughs> That's not a factor of being eight. That's a factor of having a pulse. Uh, you, we're all a bit confused here. But I'm explaining to her. And I, I said, well, the, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, they're you know, basically federal law enforcement. She says, oh, what's federal mean? I said, well, federal, in our case, that means national. That is all of the states. So if somebody breaks a law in Greeley, Colorado, we have local law enforcement in Greeley. Greeley Police Department can be called in to address that, arrest the perpetrator, investigate, bring a case in a court of law. The person accused has a right to be given a fair trial, to have the evidence presented against them, and to be able to defend themselves against charges. Because they might receive false charges. They might be falsely accused. That's the whole point of having a court system, having a justice system in this country, is you might be falsely accused. 
whether maliciously, somebody makes a false accusation to try to destroy you for malicious purposes, or someone might accidentally bring a false charge against you. They think you're the one who did it, but they don't know that. And they're all hopped up in the excitement of the moment. And they're not thinking clearly. And that's why we want to take due diligence seriously. That's why you have to wait for all the facts to come in. You don't want to jump to conclusions and condemn innocent people, particularly if someone else did the deed and they're getting off scot-free. But we have local law enforcement, and if a local law in Greeley, Colorado has been broken, then Greeley PD will deal with it. Greeley justice will be served. If someone breaks a law in the state of Colorado and they're traveling back and forth and they're all over the state breaking the law here, there, and everywhere, well, then it's probable you will have the state of Colorado's law enforcement get involved and do the same thing that the Greeley PD would do, but at the state level. If you have somebody breaking the law in multiple states, going back and forth across state lines, across the country, breaking the laws of this nation, well then, in that case, you have federal law enforcement. You have feds, as they're known shorthand. And that sufficed for her. She was content with that answer. But I got to thinking, if she would have asked me more questions, the answers I would give would not be like Jill Sanborn is answering Ted Cruz. I wouldn't just say, I can't answer that question. Boop, boop. If she were to ask me, well, why would federal law enforcement be in the crowd on January 6th or January 5th, for that matter, the day before? On video, potentially, allegedly, inciting the crowd to enter the Capitol building, to start a riot, to destroy government property, public property, to vandalize, to act the fool. Why would federal law enforcement be trying to get people to break the law? Why would that be? If she were to ask me that question, which she didn't last night, and I was somewhat relieved that she didn't, because the answer is uncomfortable, I might say that federal law enforcement would do such a thing if federal law enforcement wanted to cast political opponents in a certain light. Now, in order for that to be a realistic possibility, federal law enforcement would have to have some kind of a political orientation. There would have to be some kind of a dog-in-the-fight mindset for one group of constituents over the other. The American people in general are their constituents, but there would have to be some sense that one side of the aisle, one portion, one segment of the American public was more in line with the sensibilities of the FBI, generally speaking, or specifically, possibly, you might have certain cohorts for instance, you might have certain cohorts of our three-letter agency, 
alphabet soup, deep state, as they're sometimes known, you might have certain cohorts who had been trying for years, even before the 2016 election, to smear the Republican candidate for president with all manner of outlandish, crazy, completely fabricated, totally made up reports, allegations, alleging Russian collusion, for instance. You might have to have certain cohorts in our three-letter agencies, in our federal law enforcement, national security apparatus, who had a vested interest in removing what they saw as a threat to their worldview, to their program, to their agenda, to their power. And it's not hard to find evidence that that is exactly the case. So we have motive. We've established, I think, with the the Mueller investigation, the long, long, drawn-out, expensive and ultimately vacuous Russian collusion investigation by Robert Mueller. In fact, what that investigation revealed was not that Donald Trump was a puppet of Vladimir Putin. What it revealed was that we had FBI agents who decided they knew better than the American people who should be president next and who shouldn't. The collusion that occurred was within the FBI, for instance, to try and torpedo Donald Trump's chances of being elected president to begin with in the first place. Then once he's been in office for four years, causing all this trouble, doing all this damage as they see it, they want to tie him up in made up scandals that they made up. They made up the scandal and they want to investigate. So it becomes this fishing expedition. And they went after not only President Trump, but anybody associated with him, anybody affiliated with him, relentlessly trying to destroy, to dismantle his political campaign, his administration, piece by piece. And the result is a chilling effect on the American people that if you dare to stand up against our status quo, we will destroy you. So then comes January 6th, and it's the last push, at least for a while, the last push of the Make America Great Again movement. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans show up in Washington, D.C. to protest, to make their voices heard. And you can't have that maintaining the moral high ground and looking legitimate to the rest of the over 300 million American men, women, and children watching from home who may sympathize at the outset very strongly, wish they could be there. You can't have that narrative stick that here, look at all of these American people who are objecting to the steamrolling of their election. We're going to certify election results that are highly dubious. Highly dubious. Also, we're not content to let you point out all the ways that these election results are dubious. Also, maybe, perhaps, possibly, and 
very likely, if not certain just yet, we had FBI agents who wanted to cast similar to how they were trying to create a certain narrative with regards to Donald Trump. They wanted to create a certain narrative, confirm a certain narrative in the eyes of the world regarding Trump supporters. Anybody associated with Trump, apparently it wasn't getting it done to just go after people who helped him in his 2016 election bid. It wasn't getting it done to go after people in his administration. It wasn't enough to go after former business partners, current business partners, his family, his friends. They had to turn up the heat and go after his constituents, the folks who voted for him, the folks who were passionate enough about his re-election and passionate enough about election integrity that they were willing to travel to the nation's capital from hundreds or even thousands of miles away to make their voices heard. We've got to let the rest of the country, the rest of the world know if you stand up to us, we will smear you. We will fabricate a narrative, imagery, which makes it look like you are violent insurrectionists. You are the one carrying out a coup. You're the one opposing the rule of law, established good order, decency. You're the one trampling on this nation's sacred honor. If you have federal agents in the crowd, encouraging them on video to go into the Capitol, if that's the evidence we have, what evidence do we not have yet? And isn't it curious if this is being tried in the court of public opinion, which it has been so far, it hasn't received an actual trial in a court of law where due process is afforded, but all of the American citizens who have constitutional rights, inalienable rights, God-given rights, all of the American citizens who were there on January 6th, but now are locked away in a jail cell, in solitary confinement indefinitely, a year later, if they're going to be tried for something, what is that something? Are they being tried for insurrection? Are they being charged with insurrection, with sedition, with terrorism? Are they being tried at all, except in the court of public opinion? Or have they already been tried in the court of public opinion, and now they're serving their sentence? And we'll just detain them indefinitely for the rest of their lives. And maybe, just maybe, a lot of these detainees will wind up dead. They'll kill themselves, or we'll say that they killed themselves. It'll be questionable at best. Did they really kill themselves? Or, like with the lockdowns generally, when you have the whole country locked down and a whole lot of people told over and over and over and over again, be afraid, be very afraid. Also, you're non-essential. They were already on the edge. Does a dishonest media and dishonest politicians, exploitative politicians, who helped to push them over the edge into despair to the point that they would kill themselves, do they have any responsibility for those deaths? If the FBI engaged in entrapment, or if this were a PSYOP, or if this was a false flag, so to speak, internally, domestically, politically motivated, partisan, to try to 
destroy Republicans, destroy Donald Trump, destroy the Make America Great Again movement, must there not be some accountability for that? At a certain point, it would seem that the FBI has forgotten that they work for us, for the American people. Not just some American people, not just the American people they agree with politically, not just the American people whose policies they like, not just the American people whose view of the world they share. The FBI is supposed to work for us. For that matter, how is it not enough that a United States senator asks the executive assistant director for the national security branch of the FBI, question after question after question, clear questions, simple questions, basic questions regarding January 6th, and she can't answer that. She can't answer that? Who would you need permission from to answer that? Tell us, who would give you permission to answer that question? And what is that person's answer? And what possibly gives cover to these very basic questions? You know, it's if this were a local law enforcement matter and someone stood accused, let's take groups and crowds and lots of just nameless faces out of the equation and let's... Let's just say a guy named Joe stands accused of murdering someone. Foul play is suspected. Jim winds up dead, turns up dead. Doesn't appear to be a suicide. It appears as though it's foul play. And Joe stands accused, but he's not being charged with anything. He's been arrested. His face has been plastered all over the internet and all over the media, but he's not being charged with murder, interestingly enough. But a year later, he's still sitting in the local jail. Meanwhile, there's video evidence of someone who's known to be on the sheriff's department or the local police department, dressed up in very similar attire to Joe, not dressed up as law enforcement, not advertising openly that he's law enforcement, but dressed up to look like Joe, entering Jim's house right before he was killed. In fact, even making threats out loud. Let's say it's a doorbell camera or something. You can hear him making threats. I'm going to kill that guy. But my name's Joe, right? My name's Joe and I'm going to kill Jim. If you call in the police commissioner or the sheriff or what have you. And you ask, hey, this gentleman here is languishing in prison right now in the local county jail, whatever. Joe has not been charged with anything. Meanwhile, we have photographic evidence, video evidence of someone who appears to be local law enforcement right before the death of Jim dressed up like Joe, entering the house, speaking out death threats. Can you confirm that this guy on video here is in fact not Joe, but actually an officer with your department, with your office? If in that context you were to get the commissioner, the sheriff saying, I can't answer that question. I can't answer questions regarding ongoing investigations. 
Who, buddy? Tell you what, your hair on the back of your head should stand up. You should be very concerned about that. Particularly if the person questioning the sheriff or the police commissioner or what have you is a member of city council, for instance, somebody with some authority, somebody with some clout who's supposed to be providing oversight and is attempting to provide oversight in public right now here, you have a little bit of a standoff between the various branches of government. An effort at accountability is clearly being subverted, opposed, stonewalled. I'll tell you, when I watch this video, when I hear this exchange back and forth, it is very hard for me to come to any other conclusion except that this Ray Epps gentleman is in fact an FBI agent. He was in fact either A, at best, engaging in entrapment, trying to get the crowd to do the thing so that the book could be thrown at Republicans, particularly Make America Great Again Trump supporters, as part of an ongoing coup attempt. Far from making concerns and allegations about 2020 election fraud, which are very legitimate, far from making those allegations and concerns less credible, this business makes those allegations and concerns all the more credible. If the answer is no to Ted Cruz's questions, well then, please do us all a favor, set our minds at ease, and just say no. If you don't say no, but you also don't say yes, for one, it would seem there's more to the story than that even, and you don't want to start down the path of saying yes. If this is what we know, well then what do we not know? still as yet if this is what we suspect what if the truth is far darker far worse than what we suspect here and i did an episode here recently it was the eighth so half a week ago at two ted cruz in which i talked about my grief that the senator from texas who I respect greatly, who I admire greatly, would characterize January 6th as a terrorist attack. I said at the time, I think that was a very poor choice of words. I think I understand why he did it. He is a human being after all. Let's not be the conservative cancel culture people. I'll say it again. Don't be the conservative cancel culture people. There needs to be grace. That needs to be part of what we're conserving or restoring as conservatives in America. One of the great things about grace is that it makes it easier for people to own up to their mistakes and come forward because there can actually be forgiveness. Hey, you know what? It would seem you really messed up here. You made a big mistake. You're not a fundamentally good person. Nobody is except for God. <laughs> but by God's grace, there's forgiveness in Christ if you've sinned, but you need to confess it and you need to turn away from it. We need to know what you did so that we can mitigate the damage to the greatest extent possible and also so we can make sure that you're not doing that anymore. If you're really, really sorry, you're going to be not doing that anymore. 
That applies to our FBI. That applies to Ted Cruz. That applies to the establishment, Republicans and Democrats. That applies to our media. That applies to you and me. It applies to all of us. We stand as equals, condemned, at odds with the Creator, apart from Christ, and we need grace. But here, in Ted Cruz's line of questioning, for Jill Sanborn, is a great example of why you don't just throw somebody away at the first sign that they're not perfect. They've messed up. They made a mistake. You don't just dispose of people like that. In other news, I want to play another clip for you. And this is an exchange between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. And this is from yesterday at a Senate Health Committee hearing. Rand Paul from Kentucky is a doctor, by the way, which is part of why he's on this health committee. He's definitely a Republican, for those of you who don't know. Dr. Fauci is definitely not a Republican, for those of you who don't know. This is also Forbes breaking news. Take a listen. Senator Paul. Dr. Fauci, the idea that a government official like yourself would claim unilaterally, unilaterally to represent science that any criticism of you would be considered a criticism of science itself is quite dangerous. Central planning, whether it be of the economy or of science, is risky because of the fallibility of the planner. It would not be so catastrophic if the planner were simply one physician in Peoria, then the mistakes would only affect that physician's patients, the people who chose that physician. But when the planner is a government official, like yourself, who rules by mandate, the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford and Stanford. Apparently there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they or from Dr. Collins and you you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down and not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The, the email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it. We got something in Wired no, magazine. No, no, no. I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything 
about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as friends? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not friends, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me I, I did to not do that? You responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article you, in Wired, you, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got them. I nailed them in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on. You there you go again. That you just do the same thing every hearing. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people. You're absolutely incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect almost everything you well, said. Well, no, you deny, you deny, right. but the emails tell the truth of this. No. This wasn't the only time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Daszak, who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature. Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. 17 signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated right. in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature? Were they were describing, oh, this, there's no way this could that have come from, was from the not lab? me. What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep, the, you keep distorting you? the truth. It is, it is you stunning talk, how you, you do Did you talk that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only are you distorting it, you were completely turning it around, as Were most you of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let our response finish. to this than you have? Do you Madam think it's a great Chair, success? Do you think it's a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. Right. And now 800,000 people have died. Right. Do so you think it's a, a winning success what you've advocated for government? Um, Senator, first of all, <clears throat> if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask, get boosted. And you've advocated to make it coercive take, and take done a look at course, everything and you've advocated that I've said. it be done by mandate. Right. You, you've advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right. So again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this, th this happens all the time. And you get the picture. There's a few minutes more, but it's like that. You, you have on the one hand... <laughs> Senator Rand Paul asking some very pointed questions with regards to emails that have come to light behind the scenes 
Dr. Fauci agreeing to participate, affirming, approving of efforts to discredit other scientists. We're not talking about some guy doing a podcast in his home office right before he starts his 12-hour shift doing systems integration, totally unrelated to the biology, epidemiology, the health sciences. We're not talking about some long ponytailed, lives in his mother's basement, didn't graduate high school, believes everything he reads on the internet, guy discrediting him. We're talking about respected scientists associated with major universities in this country, some of the most prestigious universities in this country. And Dr. Fauci would appear to have affirmed, approved of, signed off on efforts to destroy their reputations as scientists. Rand Paul is exactly right to say it's a very dangerous thing when you presume to say that you represent the science, but these guys don't. These guys don't represent the science in any way, shape, or form. You represent the science. And what you have there is, yes, definitely a line of questioning, which is not particularly friendly to Dr. Fauci. But then again, the trouble here is Dr. Fauci is not the victim. He is, if not the highest paid, I think I read somewhere that he is the highest paid, but if he's not the highest paid, he is certainly handsomely paid as a public health official. Over $400,000 a year salary. You make almost half a million dollars a year. You've been in this business for how many decades, for how long, how many years? You advocate making mandatory CDC guidelines on pain of loss of livelihood, loss of social mobility, loss of freedom, loss of credibility, whatever the CDC recommends. Now, if the CDC recommends today that we all wear funny hats and tomorrow the CDC recommends that everybody who wears a funny hat lose their job, that doesn't sound very sciencey. I'm sorry. I'm not an expert, but that doesn't sound super sciencey. And yet, Dr. Fauci here wants to present himself as a kind of victim. He's being persecuted. And it's very subtle, maybe not so subtle, but it's very subtle, embedded in Dr. Fauci's non-answer answers to the questions that Rand Paul is asking him is, for one thing, an accusation of ad hominem, argumentum ad hominem, as though it's a huge distraction for Rand Paul in his questioning of Dr. Fauci to be questioning the treatment of colleagues, fellow scientists, who also have something to say about our response to this pandemic. As though it's an argumentum ad hominem when Dr. Fauci is the preeminent spokesperson for the government with regards to the science in the response to this pandemic, why? 
right? Isn't the science so-called, in all caps, isn't the science better served when you have teams of scientists or when you have scientists looking at the problem from many different vantage points, bringing up very important questions, alternative theories, alternative treatment plans. Isn't that science? Is it really good science when you have one particular perspective becoming orthodoxy and anybody who says something to the contrary is shut out of the debate and destroyed so as to serve as an example to everyone else. All the other doctors, medical professionals, experts get picked off one by one. It's like king of the hill. This big fish wants to eat all the other little fishies and wants the whole pond to know he is the only fish that matters. Dr. Fauci claims that Rand Paul is engaging in argumentum ad hominem, but it's an entirely relevant line of question when Dr. Fauci is, for over two years now, helping more than anybody else to shape the official response to this pandemic by the United States government. And insofar as the, U the U.S. government sets the example for other governments around the world, some of them not possessing anywhere near our means to implement these things, but yet they want to keep up with us and not appear to have lost face on the world stage. Dr. Fauci is leading a lot of other countries to implement these draconian lockdown measures by his succeeding in setting the precedent here. So it isn't just Americans who are hurt if his approach is wrongheaded and dangerous and destructive and deadly. If his approach is hurting and killing more people than the pandemic is. That's a simple, basic tenet of good medicine, good practice, good science. The cure cannot be worse than the disease. If the cure is worse than the disease, then there's something wrong with your cure. If you cure the disease by killing the patient, there's something wrong with your cure. Reports last week were that the death rate is higher than it has been ever in our country's history. Simultaneously, the birth rate is lower than it has ever been in our country's history. Those two facts taken together speak to something very, very wrong in the response, particularly when death rate being up by 40% is not mostly COVID. There's a lot of other factors besides COVID that we need to be concerned about. Suicide, for instance, drug overdoses, for instance, domestic violence, for instance, substance abuse, lack of impulse control, in part because of bad leadership, in part because we are under the kind of judgment that Isaiah 3 chapter. Isaiah chapter 3 talks about, my people, your guides have swallowed up the course of your paths. Your guides have misled you. Your, your guides, Dr. Fauci is a great example of a guide who has swallowed up the course of our paths. Whatever your plans were for life, having a business, getting married, raising a family, celebrating weddings, going to funerals, getting together with your friends, living, going to work, living. Dr. Fauci, more than any other individual person, has swallowed up the course of those paths. And not just 
Dr. Fauci needs to be a concern. It's not all about Dr. Fauci. The fact that his response to the line of questioning from Rand Paul is all about Dr. Fauci, woe is me, and all about Rand Paul, how dare you? You always do this. You always do this to me. That tells you everything you need to know. Very similar to the back and forth exchange between Senator Ted Cruz and Jill Sanborn. The answer is very revealing, even as it's very evasive. If you have a legitimate answer to the question that Rand Paul is asking about these three scientists, you were affirming efforts to discredit, you would lead with that. You wouldn't lead with, how dare you? You wouldn't lead with the ad hominem attack on Rand Paul. Furthermore, Project Veritas has just released documents it obtained demonstrating that Dr. Fauci did in fact lie about his role and his agency's role in gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This is news just from yesterday. The Wuhan Institute of Virology was turned down as a place to fund and research bat-borne coronavirus because of concerns about gain of function and the moratorium on gain of function. Why would there be a moratorium on gain of function research? Because it's plausible, ladies and gentlemen, it's plausible that someone might misuse gain of function research on a virus to create a bioweapon. That's the reason why there's a moratorium. For anybody who would say, oh, this is all very disturbing and conspiracy theory and all that, why is there a moratorium on gain-of-function research? Answer that. The folks who came up with that moratorium, who signed on to it, who agreed to it, who affirmed the moratorium, were concerned that gain-of-function research could either A, lead to a bioweapon being developed, then released for terroristic purposes, to achieve political ends by killing men, women, and children, or B, which is a far tamer theory that I think doesn't comport with the timing of all of this and how it's been exploited. But B, there's the possibility that it was just an oops. Oops. This accidentally got out of this lab. Sorry about that, guys. My bad. That was me. Best case scenario, it was an oops. Whoopsie. Whoopsie daisy. But the worst case is this gain of function research was to the end of using COVID-19 as a bioweapon. For Dr. Fauci to be involved in that and to have claimed, well, under the current working definition of gain-of-function research, it wasn't gain-of-function research. But then you find out that, well, actually, you know what? DARPA, so the Department of Defense, the U.S. Department of Defense declined what you acquiesced to when they were made a similar offer to participate because of concerns about gain-of-function research on the front end before all of this? Who changed the definition of gain-of-function research so as to do what they wanted to do? Why did you want to do it? And why did you do it? Definitions for things can be changed 
very easily. You just have to know the guy who writes the dictionary. See Merriam-Webster changing the definition of anti-vaxxer to include those who are opposed to mandates. If you oppose mandatory vaccination against COVID-19, Merriam-Webster now says explicitly that you are, by definition, an anti-vaxxer. This is a great reason to find yourself an older dictionary because these games played with language amount to an utter contempt for the truth. The truth, Michel Foucault once said, is nothing but a will to power, which is a great, very convenient, all-too-easy attitude to adopt if you intend to be an out-and-out liar to get what you want. Kudos to Senators Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. God bless them. In some ways, I'm sad that they did not win the 2016 election. They both ran in 2016 for president. I think both of them would have made fine presidents. I had very little hope that either of them would become president, but I think either of them would have made a great president. But I think, too, what they're doing here with regards to the FBI, with regards to Dr. Fauci, the NIH, NIAID, in the United States Senate, asking these questions of these people at this time is far more important, far better, far more necessary. Dr. Fauci, I think, is a supervillain. That's my honest opinion, my genuine impression. I've been of that opinion for a couple of years now. But Senator Cruz, Senator Paul, God bless you. Thank you for your service. Keep up the good work. Don't let the bastards grind you down, as Winston Churchill would say. As for me, though, I got to run. That's all for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.